Hey, Goal Achievers, welcome to the Elite Achievement Community. I'm Kristen Burke, your host and coach here to demystify the goal achievement process. If you are ambitious and visionary, then let's get to work so you can maximize your potential and achieve your definition of success. Hey, Goal Achievers, welcome back to Elite Achievement. Today's guest is the co-founder and co-CEO of the award-winning budget planning app, Capital, Catherine Salisbury. Catherine and her partner, George Friedman, designed the app as a result of their growing money stress from their bank not being able to provide them with the joint financial resources they needed as a growing family. Capital combines behavioral science and the power of automation to help individuals and couples alike find money happiness and reach their financial goals. Join us as we discuss how to make saving feel more like shopping, how to reduce money tension in a relationship, what it's like to be in business with your partner, and how to navigate the emotions of being an entrepreneur. Welcome, Catherine. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to connect with you today. Thanks so much for being here. Tell us a little bit more about the background story behind Capital. Well, George and I met in New York. He's Swedish. I'm American. We were living in New York. Um, I was working as a lawyer and then at a bank. And uh, George is a frugal Swede. And he was saying, where's all your money going? (laughs) And I was saying, I only have so many units of good behavior in a day. And by the time I get to the end of my day, I hop in a taxi and I order sushi. And that's where my money goes. But I knew he was right. uh, And maybe um, I could find a way to engage with my money differently. So I started naming uh, my long term savings goals or short term savings goals trip to Kenya or a piano. And so when I'd walk home from work and open the refrigerator and make myself dinner, I would buy, I felt like a piece of my goal, I would go in and actually move money into that savings account. And it felt like a shopping experience to me instead of a good behavior experience. And so that was really the starting point. We said, this is working for me. Could we create an app like this um, that would work for other people as well? And that was the original product. Since then, we can help people with their whole paycheck, the same experience if you need to invest or retirement or, um, you know, with your checking account and all of that. But that's the original idea. And that's what we try to weave into everything we build since then, which is how do I take the good behavior units um, and turn them into <laughs> the experience of a bad behavior unit and uh, turn that into savings. I think that's fascinating. And if it's anything like what happens in my house, you're opening the fridge and there's nothing that you really want to eat. So it's tempting to go on the app and order food. But you've now found a way to say, okay, I'm going to make something out of the fridge and move the money into my savings account for whatever you named it, trip to Kenya, et cetera. So it's a a shift in the mind. Exactly. Exactly. (sighs) What other services does capital provide to individuals or couples that we can't find in a traditional bank? Well, so we started with this experience, but um, it was hard for me to share it with George. Back in New York, we were kid-free as our lives have uh, become more complex. We have four kids. We have lots of costs. We have much less time. And so the idea was, how can we get aligned? So take this summer, for example. Are we going on trips? Uh, What are we spending on summer camps? We can create an experience where I'll make a goal sailing trip 
I'll put the parameters around it, how much it's going to cost when we need the money by how much of our paycheck is going to go towards it. Every time we walk 10,000 steps, we each put a little more money towards it. I can send it to George and he can agree and say, yes, let's do this. Or he can talk to me in the comments section and say, I think we could do this for cheaper, which is normally how it goes. And then we agree on exactly how much the trip is going to cost. And then we queue up our paychecks. And you know, as soon as our paychecks hit, the percentage of, uh, of savings goes into that account. So when it's time to go book the trip, the money's there and we can see it. And so that we call Dream Team. And that's a feature where we can have a dashboard I can see my whole financial universe, he can see his whole financial universe, and we can see the parts that are overlapping. I keep private my, uh, I show him the amount in my Robinhood account, but I don't show him what I've invested in, or he'd just tell me to buy more Tesla. So I get to decide exactly how much to show him and how much to keep private, and we can align on our goals. And then we can see that we're filling up the accounts uh, for those goals. So that's Dream Team. And that's one of the features we're super excited about that's pretty new on the app. How important is clear communication around money for a couple? For us, it's so challenging. We've had to build an app for it. <laughs> so just take the summer. It's not just how much are we going to spend on summer camp. It's when do we talk about how much we're going to spend mm -hmm. at summer camp? Because if we talk about it on date night, it's probably not the best use of a date night. <laughs> it's probably defeating the purpose of the date night. Um, and so uh, the timing of the conversation, it's really nice to be able to do it asynchronously, to be able to comment within the app as opposed to having to talk about it when we're brushing our teeth. But it's also nice to kind of memorialize it also. How much did we say? You know, by having to create a goal, we're saying we're going to go sailing the first week in August and we think it's going to cost this much. And we think we're going to be able to fund it by routing 2% of our paycheck each month uh, towards that goal. And so that to me is also the clear communication. It's just like managing people in the company, really clear definition of the specifics makes the stress go away uh, in a way. How was the process of building an app? Was it what you expected? Was it easier than you expected? More challenging than you expected? We got lucky um, in a way. George had moved back here to Sweden to work for one of the best digital banking platforms um, and rebuilt the product uh, with a group here. And then when that project was done, they all came to our living room and we said, what are we going to do with this amazing talent? Um, so we got a good head start. We also had uh, early designers from Spotify and so forth. Stockholm's a great ecosystem to be building an app. And so I would say coming up with what app should we be building was a little bit uh, harder mm -hmm. uh, than actually building it, but I wasn't the one writing the code. So the team we had was just amazing or have is just amazing. Most of them are still with us. Big topic right now in business, and especially with a lot of my clients, is retaining talent. And you just mentioned that the team that helped you build this app, they're still with your company. Why do you think that you're able to retain this talent? What, what are you doing? How are you helping these individuals grow in their career? I hope it's partly due to our culture um, that people uh, really enjoy working at Capital, and, and that's what we believe. I was asking someone recently that we were interviewing, why did you want to interview with us and what makes you uh, interested in Capital? And they heard, we've heard it's such a kind group of people. Mm -hmm. So I think the 
temperament of the team is important. Sweden's really interesting place because it's much flatter. There's no hierarchy um, in Sweden. And so I think um, there's a lot to that. It was a learning curve for me to, I used to run a sports uh, agency before Capital, and we treat developers and designers like you'd treat talent as an agent. You want to create a good space for them to feel like they can do their thing and bring their talent to work every day. The word engineer is almost misleading because we're talking true artists in a way. Uh, and um, so you need to create a nice environment that took us maybe took me a little longer uh, than I had realized um, to get that. But also some of it is culture. Sweden is um, a much calmer place to live and raise a family because... Are you enjoying this episode and feeling encouraged to take the next step towards maximizing your potential? Don't let that energy pass you by. Goal achievers consistently take action to achieve great success. Grab your free breakout plan right now at kristenburk.com to begin your journey today. You don't have the same pressures or stresses. College is paid for, childcare is paid for, summer vacation mm. is five weeks long. So people can kind of calm down and settle into a job. Whereas I think there's a lot of pressure in the States um, to be getting some equity and moving on and getting some equity and moving on. So culture plays a role in, in it as well. Was that a difficult transition for you as a professional to come from New York and then to Sweden? How did that transition happen? It was huge. The difference between Sweden and New York corporate culture or office culture is one of the biggest differences I've ever encountered. And when I worked at White & Case as a lawyer, it's I think it's 38 foreign offices, if not more. And uh, I was in the Moscow office for summer. We worked with all sorts of offices. The Stockholm office is just very different. The insistence on work-life balance um, is just so built into the fabric. Um, and that's just not how maybe you do it in New York. Uh, so it took me a little time um, to get used to it. And people hear me at the beginning of the summer, grumbling a bit about the five weeks off for everyone. <laughs> but um, in the end, uh, the studies really support that um, people get more creative and it, it works. So both systems really work well and both have their pros and cons, but they're very different. So to have two different offices, one in New York and one in Stockholm, it takes some juggling. I bet. You probably have to think, okay, what office am I talking to today? And how's that going to go? In addition to having the different offices, what are some other challenges that you have faced building your business? I mean, I guess one of the biggest challenges is this is our first time doing it. Um, so we have been learning by doing and learning in front of everyone, making mistakes as we go. But at the same time, there's just no better way to learn something. Um, than for it to really be mattering and, and pulling the levers. I mean, something in theory is just so different in practice. So that's been really fun. And probably why I love this job the most is because when you actually just get to show up every day and build something, um, that's when you bump into learnings all the time. How do you stay focused or committed to your goal despite some of those learnings, which some people perceive as setbacks? I kind of think of it as no matter what happened today, I just got smarter than I was yesterday. Um, so even the really tough periods, you just think, well, how can you be really good if you if you haven't been through something like this? So that's my mentality. The harder the day you figure, the better I get. 
Have you always had that mentality or was that one that you had to develop as a business owner and an app creator? I think it was when I was running the soccer agency that I developed that mentality. Um, it was just so hard. <laughs> it was really so hard all the time. And I would just think, well, at least I made some progress. Um, <laughs> and uh, so I, I got in the habit. That was the only way to comfort myself in those early days um, in the soccer agency. So it just became kind of a habit. Uh, it's much easier to do at Capital. It just, it's a much easier project. I love the simplicity of saying, at least I'm smarter than I was yesterday. And going into a business or a project with the expectation that you're not going to have it all figured out until you start putting something into practice. Yeah. And it's easier when you're earlier days, because when you throw something out there into the world, you have fewer people see it <laughs> giving you feedback. Um, so if you asked our team, maybe I'm not as willing to throw some product out there right now as we were a few years ago, uh, because we have 2 million customers. They love us. And we have $10 million transacted on the platform every day. And we've had you know, $3 billion. You know, now we have a reputation to uphold. So it triggers, when I think of my behavioral economics, it triggers loss aversion. We've built up real trust and a real relationship with our users. So I do think it's harder for a company in our stage to just kind of iterate and throw things out there. Um, the same way that maybe when we were a free app with a much simpler product, we could just roll it out and say, what do you guys think of it and get the feedback and start iterating. What do you think, Catherine, were some of the things that you and the team did to grow capital to the level that it's at today? We get asked this and I think sometimes you just feel lucky. I just read the book Pachinko, um, which is uh, all about the combination of luck and skill and everything in life. And I kept thinking about capital as I was reading it. I thought there's a lot of luck here, but we had a freelancer rule um, that really resonated with people. Um, so every time, if you're a freelancer, you, a deposit hit your account, we'd automatically put money towards your tax account. Um, and people really loved that. And it started to spread on blogs and so forth. I think over 80% of our users came through word of mouth and PR referrals and, and that sort of thing. So there were features that just offered a differentiated solution that were solving a pain point. And that's kept us really focused on product, maybe to a fault. So rather than taking a point solution and then figuring out how are we going to market this on Facebook or whatever, we just keep building product, hoping for those moments um, to come regularly where people say, this is really special. I, I have to tell my friends. That makes sense. So word of mouth, which is a little different than what we hear a lot. Google ads and Facebook ads, Instagram sponsorship. It's refreshing to hear that a good old-fashioned referral can yeah. really work. Yeah. Tell us about what it is like to work with your partner. Was it an easy transition to go from partners to business partners? Were there difficulties? What is it like to work with your partner? Well, we started... Um a company before Capital Together, a soccer agency. So we already went through some growing pains with that. We took on different roles the whole time. I have uh, a pretty significant handicap, so I can't do a whole lot of typing or anything like that. I do um, you know, mostly by talking. George can do a lot more of the computer work. So there was some natural delineation there. 
There was also just, I was having babies, uh, four of them during this time. I never took parental leave or I haven't taken parental leave yet, I should say. Um, but, uh, there are just certain, um, roles that we spun out for each other based on what's it going to be like to have a baby. But the biggest part about running a company together is we're on the same wavelength. Uh, so when it's been a great day, we both had a great day. And when it's been a really scary day, we both had a really scary day. That to me is irreplaceable. I mean, I would hate to do this alone with a partner saying, why are you on your phone? Um, and I'm pretty good about not being on my phone. So if I am on my phone, it's probably because I need to be. Um, so he gets that. And that's huge to just be on that same wavelength. That's such an interesting point because I know my husband and I can be on different wavelengths at different times. And as a business owner, it's not always a great day. I, I talk to my other entrepreneur friends about this a lot. We're on this roller coaster where one day you're like, this is the best thing I've ever done and I can never imagine doing anything else. And then the next day or even the next hour, you're thinking, I am going to crawl in a hole and never come back out. And I hope no one finds me. Do you have any solutions or strategies for when you're having those down days? How do you bounce back from that? So I normally get a down day when I feel like things are just, why couldn't we get something working better? And George often says, it's hard for everyone, Catherine. So he, my bad days or my frustration days tend to come from something different uh, than what drives him nuts. Um, and he's basically found a really good thing to say to me at those moments, which is it's hard for everyone. You think it's not this hard at such and such a company, uh, which normally gives me some perspective. Uh, and then for George, whatever his frustration is, um, normally I just say something along the lines of we're learning. That's kind of my go to. Um, it was a hard day, but you can't be amazing entrepreneurs if you don't have tons of hard days. Um, so that's what we got today. We got to be a little bit better at being entrepreneurs. We just kind of have our things we say to each other. That's great. So you figured out how to communicate to one another and what to say to boost one another up. I think that's the uh, the job we signed up for as entrepreneurs that we're going to have some hard days and they're going to be different than corporate hard days. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We're both also big on, did you get sleep? <laughs> Yes. Because when you're having those extreme highs that turn into extreme lows, that's that famous quote. I, uh, I think it's Mark Andreessen. I can't remember. Um, but then you add sleep deprivation into it, either because you're working too hard or you have small children. It just adds some fuel to the fire. So sometimes it's just, why don't you go sleep a little? <laughs> and then we'll yes. think about this. Yes. Sleep is a miracle. It can help. You mentioned you have four children. How do you manage running? a company and being a mama? Well, my kids are eight, five, three, and one. And um, I find it harder as they get older. When they're babies, someone else can change the diaper uh, and you know, wake up with them and give them some milk. But uh, the uh, as they get older, you need to be there. So it seems to me, fortunately, motherhood came in with some training wheels. Uh, <laughs> I had some wiggle room in the early years where it wasn't as um, important that I really had nailed the juggling. And then as they get older, I have to get better at it because uh, it matters more. Um, we have a lot of amazing help uh, in our home. That makes a huge difference. And taking things off the plate, uh, like laundry and grocery shopping and 
um, stuff like that. Walking the dog um, makes a difference. Catherine, is there one piece of advice that you could offer to any couples out there listening that want to get more clarity on their finances or want to work towards a financial goal together? I find for me, one of the things that um, I wish someone had said to me and George at the same time and earlier is neither of you are wrong on how you want to approach your financial life. You don't have a crystal ball. We don't know if we're going to live to be 130 or if we're going to live to be 60. We don't know what's coming. And so how much you plan for the future or live in the moment seems to be a lot of the tension in couples. How much risk do you take, um, which is similar to that, and having respect for each other because probably some of it is how much you want to live in the moment and how much you want to make sure you're ready for retirement or, or an inevitable bad day, but you don't know when it's coming. I feel like that's a lot of the tension and there's so much out there that tells you there shoulds. You should be putting this much towards retirement. You should be paying off your student loans as fast as possible. You should be all these things. So that's my piece. I feel like when people take the, the shoulds out of it and the plans get customized for your actual goals and risk tolerance and and what you want to do with the fact that we all live life without a crystal ball, it starts to take a lot of the tension out of the conversation. And anytime we're going after a big goal, if we can take the shoulds out of it, we'll tend to have more success and find more joy on the journey of achieving that goal. Totally agree with you. If any of our listeners want to learn about Dream Team or learn about the app Capital, where can they find you? the App Store and Google Play. Just download us and start playing around and you'll find your way. Catherine, I really appreciate you stepping away from your evening to uh, join me here and chat a little bit more about business, about working with a, a partner, about being a mom. I think we covered a lot of ground in our conversation today. Yes, this has been super fun. Thank you, Catherine. And with that, Goal Achievers, keep celebrating your weekly wins noting your lessons learned, and identify your priorities for next week so you can continue to pursue progress in the direction of your goals. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you are feeling inspired and want to join the Goal Achievers community, visit my website, kristenberg.com to sign up and get connected. We can also hang out socially on Instagram. Follow me at Meet Kristen Burke. Links are in the show notes. Don't forget to rate, review, and share this show. Until next time, goal achievers, keep progressing toward your goals and celebrate those weekly wins.